Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. And you may be wondering where Mr. Conlin is. Well, just like last week, when I was out in the field, he's out in the field this week. First question, what happens when new condo development doesn't sell out? Well, to be very honest with you, it doesn't bode very, very well for the developer, first and foremost. As a buyer, you must be, if you are buying a new development, if I can give you one savvy bit of information, A, have a great real estate attorney, that's the first thing, who is going to scrutinize the finances of the developer. If inventory isn't selling readily, it's going to create financial burden on the part of the developer. If they have deep pockets, they can become creative. So they will either reduce the price of the inventory, create buyer incentives, whether they increase the commission paid to the brokers, really, really, really don't want to have to reduce price. In some instances, they will, or they will cut bigger deals. It's going to depend project to project. In some instances, a developer may say, let's rent the units. So if there are so many units on the market, they may say to the brokers who are marketing the homes, rent the units out and take them off of the market. They also won't actually list all of the units for sale in a building. They never do. So that is what we call shadow inventory. In the peak of, I would say, COVID, in the peak of the financial disaster, that's when shadow inventory can be extremely high and developers really have to deal with that burden. So as I said, developers will become creative and to take the units off the market, either through renting them, uh, creating the shadow inventory, or they will cut prices and they will do additional deals. Smaller developers, it's not so easy for them. In downturns, they will, in some instances, go belly up or they will refinance. They'll try to uh, secure more um, uh, more debt on the property, uh, but it, it can become a, an extremely difficult challenge for smaller developers. In order to become effective, the condominium plan, you need 15% of those units in contract. If you are one of the 15%, let's say you're one of the early people in, and a lot of times buyers think that they're getting the best prices, early in, well, that's the case in a rising market. In a not so rising market, that can be really problematic. So let's say that you are one of those early people in and the units just aren't selling. That's a challenge for you, the buyer. You may be stuck being in contract. Well, you definitely will be stuck being in contract until the 15% is reached. Let's say you buy in the building and they, they have trouble selling those units temporarily the value of the apartment will definitely be um, affected, meaning that the, your apartment's not gonna be worth what you bought, bought it for. If you're buying out five to 10 years out, if you buy in a building where there's a reputable developer, you should be fine. So brave it, own your apartment, move into your apartment, enjoy your apartment, and give time time. The other area, it can be harder for you though to refinance temporarily. So keep that in mind. First and foremost, it becomes a financial burden on the part of the developer. So buyer beware, look at who you are buying, who you're buying the real estate from. Secondly, frequently asked question, what's the mansion tax? And basically it's, an, it's a tax that's imposed on the sale of the real estate, which the buyer buys in the city of New York. For many years, the mansion tax was simply 1% of the purchase price over a million dollars. That law was changed possibly around two years ago, where the city of New York said, we need more money. We are going to increase 
and tear up the mansion tax. We're gonna charge you 1% over a million dollars, but we're gonna cap it at $2 million. So you're gonna pay 1% of the purchase price between one to $2 million. If you buy an apartment over $2 million, but less than $3 million, you're gonna pay the city 1.25%. And then get out your pen. Up to $3 million, 1.25%. Between 3 million and less than $5 million, you're gonna pay the city 1.5%. Between 5 million and $10 million, you're gonna pay 2.25%. 10 million to less than 15 million is 3.25%. 15 million to less than 20 million, 3.5%, 20 million to 25 million, 3.75%. And if you are buying a home over $25 million, be prepared to pay the city of New York 3.9% of the purchase price of the $25 million. If I were buying a $25 million apartment, $875,000 would be kind of like, eh, it's a couple thousand dollars to me. Needless to say, that is the mansion tax. At closing, you will write a check in that amount, depending on where you're buying, back to the city of New York. Last frequently asked question, can all cash buyers in New York City get better prices? And my, my initial response would be, it depends, period. Because in New York City, we have so much cash in our marketplace and we have so many qualified buyers that a buyer who is financing, who has just as much money as the cash buyer, will waive the financing contingency in a contract, which is a standard contingency. Uh, financing contingency means the buyer puts down their deposit, but it's contingent on them getting their loan. And a buyer who has enough money to buy cash, but really wants to take advantage of low interest rates, use it for tax purposes, they're going to want to finance, but what they'll do is they'll waive the contingency. That means that their deposit will be on the line, their 10%, just like a cash buyer. So it brings them on par with a cash buyer. Okay, you may say, okay, well, what's, so there's no incentive for a cash buyer. That's not necessarily true. Let's say, they're the only buyer in town and they're buying cash. Well, Mr. Seller, you got yourself a, a buyer who will sign a contract, who will put their 10% on the line and they will either forego their 10% or they will buy the apartment cash. That's a good deal for the seller. The seller may say, okay, I'm gonna be more apt to negotiate with a cash bidder because it's a bird in the hand. They have two different buyers, one paying cash, and one waiving their financing contingency. It may give the seller a little bit level, more level of comfort to go with the cash bidder, but in the end, they're gonna want their highest price. And we just literally went through a very, very challenging bidding situation. One buyer and both had more money than they knew what to do with, and they could have both bought the apartment with cash. One wanted to take advantage of the, uh, the financing, and the other one said, we're paying cash. Did the buyer who was paying cash get the discount? They not only didn't get the discount, the apartment was bid up and the buyer who was financing, who waived the financing contingency, secured the apartment. So it is going to be situational. There may be a small discount, but really in reality, no. If you are waiving the financing contingency as a uh, person uh, buying versus somebody who's buying cash, very close. Though, like I said, sometimes a seller will take more comfort in the buyer, buyer paying cash, 
But reality is, is that they're going to look at their bottom dollar and they're going to look at the highest, highest price. Thanks for watching or listening to the John and Jonathan Sell NYC podcast. If you want to find us online or sign up to get our monthly and quarterly market stats, come on over to our website, johnandjonathansellnyc.com. Or you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and everywhere else with the handle at johnandjonathansellnyc. If this show was entertaining, helpful, or informative, consider telling friends and family or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Those are some of the best ways of supporting our efforts, and we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in. We can't wait to share what's coming up next. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss our next episode, and we'll see you next time.